We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. I'm your host, David Cameo, and I'm joined by Cosmom09, Rachel Burt, Sharon Day, aka Blazy Gardner, and Bridget, ko-fi.com slash punkybrewster, that's P-O-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R, and we're here to talk to you about The Walking Dead's 19th episode of its 11th and final season, titled <laughs> Variant. Let's go really quick past past. that final part. Um, (laughs) We don't say those words. (laughs) The season. The sale is still going on in our merch store. (laughs) We did unveil the design based on our podcast graphics, and Mm, I think mm -hmm, it looks really, really mm -hmm. cool. In fact, well, you made it, so like you're gonna think it looks cool. Yeah, I think it looks cool. My mom (laughs) thinks it looks cool. Your mom (laughs) thinks it looks cool. Bridget. Oh my god, you're talking to my mom. That's so nice. Well, she said, like, she's proud of you for being a host on this podcast. She, yes, I know this is a lie because she would never say that. She secretly does, though. She wouldn't say it to you, though. She would say, like, I'll never tell my daughter, but I am proud of her for being on this podcast. It's like that episode of The Office where Michael's like, don't ever tell her I said this, but she's actually a really talented artist. Yeah. Why wouldn't you ever tell her that? Because I don't want her to know. I want to have something over her. And uh, oh, by the way, uh, Rachel, your mom, Chris, says she's very proud of you for being on this podcast, too. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't. I like that, I believe. Like that Actually, I and Sharon, your like. mom, also, uh, Sherry, said. Uh, My mom doesn't know what a fucking podcast is, so I doubt that is true. <laughs> no, but she's, she just said that she was proud of you, period. Oh, that's nice. Let's go into first impressions because, yes, there were some really good emotional beats. The tension is sort of ratcheting up and. I like that there were really good moments of calm during this episode. I'm, I guess we're starting with me. And that there were moments of even humor. There were like some funny fucking moments in this episode. Like yes. even the terrifying moments in some ways had mm-hmm. that tinge of humor. Tinge. Tinge of humor. Whispers! Oh my God, whispers! And then like, it's like, oh, oh what? <laughs> No. And like you're, it's well, funny he rip because off his he, skin mask. I mean, his right, face. Right. It's funny because <laughs> he thinks it's whispers, but it's not funny because it's not. not a whisper. Yeah. And and the look in his face actually makes you feel like really bad and scared for him at this realization. But that's Aaron, by the way. I, I didn't say, say who he was. This is the first time Dave hasn't been like we're talking about Aaron. <laughs> I am so hungry right now, but. <laughs> This is what's happening Eugene now. squaring off against Daryl had to be like one of the that funniest was scenes I've ever seen on this show. And it stuck the landing oh too. Gosh. Oh, we're going to keep going. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then, like I said, it turns into this really great emotional moment between he and Daryl. This like, I know who you are and I know who you are. Like, I know you're not going to do this, but I also know that it's not because you're a coward. But let's dial it back i want to go to rachel because can you describe what about this episode made you not want to talk about it what the audience may or may not know depending on whether you're watching the unedited or the edited episode you were very happy to sidetrack what was it about this episode that made you well up about it um oh i am Is that I'm, english I'm, <laughs> maybe i'm very excited to talk about it i am but i know i'm gonna get very emotional during this episode because there was just a lot of shit that went down there was a lot of shit that happened there's a lot of relatable scenes this episode to me just fucking had 
everything. I laughed, I cried, I cheered, I screamed. This episode checks every fucking box for me. It was so good, I almost didn't even notice Carol wasn't in it. <laughs> That's kind of what I was going to ask yeah. you next. Like, did you even notice? Yeah. Like, it was so good, okay. I almost didn't notice. <laughs> almost was it was almost. it not until afterwards yeah like afterwards and okay and, well then then you didn't well and to be fair we saw her in like the you know previously on or like the you know what i mean so like she was like right here but not in the rest of it <laughs> you know what that makes me think of it, it makes me now it makes me think of like after an episode which we'll undoubtedly see on twitter on sunday night the, the people that'll go where's negan how could it's negan <laughs> What, what, you don't care about Negan anymore? Like, no. it's just, every now and again, you I would don't. see comments like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't see Carol this episode. Ugh, I hate her. You know, whatever. They can all they're, fall they're, off they're, their they're bikes and break their front teeth for all I care. Very specific. <laughs> Why are they on their bikes? Like, are they children? Yes, Bridget? maybe. Bridget? <laughs> maybe. Just enjoy the analogy. Maybe. It's, it's I hope you fall off your bike, you weak 10-year-old. <laughs> In my head, going with in my head, they are they are children, right? Because who else would could be that rude? But children, children, children. Are don't forget your popsicle. Don't forget your playing card and your bike spoke. I hope you get you punk. I hope you, you get punk brain bitch. freeze from eating the popsicle too fast. Uh, I hope you get diabetes three. Oh no! From that popsicle. I hope you, three. I hope, is that a thing? I hope you Did get I bring down the room? Dude, I hope is that so. a thing? I hope you get a splinter. No, it's not. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think it's a like, thing. Is this a new a medical thing now? Make it a I thing. I'm unaware. I hope you get diabetes three. Diabetes. And then oh, when you say get, it right. And then when you get that splinter, you get an infection that can't can't be you can't get rid of. Yeah. That no yeah. antibiotic yeah. will heal. Yeah. I hope you're. I hope you get a splinter and it gets Damn. infected and then it never heals and you have an infection splinter forever and, and, then you, they and have the splinter amputate? can't come out either. I don't know why it's in your thumb. Apparently right. it's in your thumb because I did this. You have a splinter I, I, in your. Th- no, no, this it's is in your improv. pointer I'm finger. Following you. It's in your pointer finger because you never realize how much you use your pointer finger until you can't anymore. I hope you get a splinter in your pointer finger and it stays infected forever. That's what I May hope. your cootie shots never work again. That's right. In other words, hey, Rachel, why can't you face this pain? Deflection. Getting back to the point. See, I knew what's going on here, you fuck. Was it more of the conversations with, with Princess and Mercer? I mean, for example, or Eugene and Rosita, Aaron and Lydia, or was it all yes, of them? Yes, it was all of in that. The, in their own little way. All of that. All three of those heavy conversations were just. Got I know me. what it is also, though. May I? If I if I may try this on. Was it also like, man, I'm, I'm getting emotional. Was it also knowing that this is like. Stop it. End? Don't you know. We're not even going to go there. We don't know. <laughs> we don't say that <laughs> fucking shit. We don't do that fucking shit. But yes, to answer your question. Yes. And then we're going to go skip over it. OK, so yes. And it, and so so Lydia and Aaron specifically Aaron's conversation about what he was talking about was Eric. Right. He brought up. Eric, reminding us of a past character that we love, that we lost. I mean, when you bring up one character from our past, of course, we're going to remember 10 more and then 30 more. And then all of a sudden the tears are flowing and we're like, oh, my God, we've come so far. And like, (sighs) yeah, I mean, well, take, for example, like in that conversation, I couldn't help but not mention Jesus because it was not Mm -hmm. mentioned at all, which I thought would be a cool example, but maybe it was cut for time. I want to explore that further, but like even when Rosita was talking to Eugene, I thought of Abraham. I thought of Sasha and Rosita attacking 
Because it was a little hypocritical of Rosita to kind of criticize Eugene when she went way out of her way to not only try to take with Sasha to try to take down the sanctuary, but then with in season eight with with she was it? No, was it Tara in in Daryl or was it Rosita and Daryl with the with the garbage truck? I always get this. I think it was Rosita and Rosita were together and then Daryl was with someone else because they were chasing the same people and then and then they hit the and then they hit them with the truck. Daryl was chasing somebody down and then Tara and Rosita show up and hit him with the truck. Isn't that this what you're talking about? Well, I'm specifically talking about the garbage truck that they rammed into the sanctuary mm. to try to like make the walkers take it over. Do you remember that? That was was that Rosita or Tara? I keep forgetting. That was an RV. I, I, I that remember was the RV, not a mm, no, this was in this was later on in the season, not not the first episode of season eight, but it was Daryl and, and another woman. I, I think it was I Rosita. Thought, oh, okay. I thought it was Daryl by himself. No, it was bo- it was both of them. Okay. I think. Yeah. Uh, pretty sure. Pretty sure. Okay. Anywho. Yeah. It's hypocritical for Rosita to kind of criticize Eugene, but I get it because she's very protective over Eugene or classically now. protective over <laughs> Eugene. <laughs> well, for the most part. Now she is. For the most part. And especially after the last few seasons. She was very protective over Eugene in seasons 9 through 11. More protective over Eugene's heart. When he came especially back since, from being Negan, yes. Oh, yeah. No, that's what I mean. Well, and a lot yeah. of time has passed, right? Like, there's forgiveness. He's become very useful to Rick at that point or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It throws her off her kilter how much this... Young man has grown. And speaking of young men that have grown, Daryl, I'm really loving this guy with his wisdom and not afraid to not get in people's faces and having the wisdom enough to know, oh, let's see how this works out, Eugene. All right, go right ahead. And it's these little moments like these, like in the last episode where he's talking to Judith, treating her like an adult, even though she's a kid and letting her have her space and coming back to her and saying, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I'm going to give it a shot. Maybe Gimple's right. Like, maybe this is just them moving into their final Pokemon form. Essentially, something he said in New York Comic Con. Charity, what did you think about this episode? Because I think you were the one who said this was kind of a meh episode. I guess it was because after the big explosion at the end of last week's episode, there just wasn't like a big bah moment in this one. And, and on the second and third watch, I enjoyed it a lot more. I think I was just missing the big, holy crap oh my God, moment that we had in the episode before that. Okay. Oh, well, the shock of them getting rid yeah. of Sebastian as the possible big baddie at the end. So, and maybe, because I was thinking about this when I was watching it the second time around more, the variant thing should have been more of a surprise. Do you all agree that maybe that shocking factor was completely fucked by the fact that they kind of prepped us in advance. Yeah. Well, the people who really follow closely in advance, right? right? If Yeah, if I hadn't watched that trailer, I wouldn't have known. And it would have Not been even the so trailer. exciting. And I would have I lost my right. mind over that. But they prepped... So I was so upset that we were like new about it. I thought about that after the episode. I was like... Well, I mean, they, mm. they prepped us for the variance <laughs> with the world beyond. And... And then they've just been they've been talking about it and it's been in the previews and they showed the hand reaching yeah. over the gate in the preview. And don't we say this about AMC all the time? Stop spoiling yeah. your fucking shows, man. Like you, yeah. you spoil all surprised. the great moments. Stop fucking doing it. You know what? It, it does make me jealous for folks. Well, OK, half jealous because binge culture, because they'll just binge it all and be like, I feel nothing. But like, <laughs> 
But like, it does make me jealous for folks who are just stepping into this and not reading the constant news and the mm. the news upon news following news, like an Ouroboros mm. almost, like it, like a snake eating its own tail of like, oh, and past here's this Bridget. and here's that. Yeah, past Bridget. Well, what's that? What does that mean? I didn't, I didn't used to, I didn't used to read about the show. I would just watch it when it came on. That's why I'm like, I, this would have blown my mind. I have so many memories of like these, just these crucial moments happening in the show and me just like shooting up being like, oh my God, I can't believe that that just happened. And like, now, nope, nope. Now you podcast, you idiot. You know what? This is what <laughs> you we get. Did, we did talk about that offline and I think this is something we could bring up because and, and maybe all of us can talk about it. But like until I started this podcast, I was not plugged into social media at all. The Walking Dead family social, you know, that network that we have of people that we know. And I kind of wanted to remain that way initially, too, because I wanted that objectivity to be able to judge. And now we're friends with Tao. So that's out the window. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is how far we've come. And now, like, oh, I don't want you to die, Sebastian, because I know you in real life. We did the same <laughs> thing with Colby, Rachel and I, when we started talking to Colby. And, uh, and it was like, uh, I don't want Jenny to die now because I, I love you, Colby. Right. Colby uh, Minifee, mm -hmm. specifically. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Alexa. Yeah. I mean, for, Virginia it, for me anyway, I had a huge hatred for Charlie until we got to know Alexa. And then I'm like, Charlie's not so bad. <laughs> Alexa Nysonson from Fear the Walking Dead as well. Charlie. Here we go. Break yeah. your own rules about mixing up actors and, and the roles they play, right? At first, I was like, no, don't hurt Virginia. And then John died. And I was like, nah, kill that bitch. Kill her. She's dead. <laughs> Get the bitch. <laughs> Somebody's got to pay, and it's not going to be Dakota. Sorry, Colby, at that I'm going to miss you, but fucking get by Virginia. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she gets excited every time somebody says, kill that bitch. It's a mixed bag. <laughs> if you think about it. Did all of you have that experience, like, before you were kind of not keyed in? Yes. And now, like, now that you're in the thick of it? Yes. In this podcast? I mean, I say? told you last, last week or a week ago, I don't know, recently. Not that long not ago. Not that long ago. I, yeah. did, I wouldn't even watch ride with Norman Reedus because I didn't want to know Norman. I wanted to know Daryl. And now it's like, yeah, like you said, like now we just like know, know people and like know all the things and like hear all the things and like, we're like in it. Constantly on top of the news. In it, instead of following just following the AMC's so account. Rachel, remember when, um, right before John Sr. came on, right? And we had mm -hmm. posted the thing about John Sr. Yes. And Jenna was like, that's a heck of a spoiler. And we we took yeah. it down, but we didn't even think about it being a spoiler because right. everybody in the fandom knew that that John Senior was going to be yep. on the show. I mean, so it was like, well, yeah, I guess if for your, your casual viewer, no, of course they would have known that, but we didn't even consider it a right. spoiler because we'd already known for six months, weeks, yeah, yeah. months, months, weeks. At that time, you forget that other people aren't like I forget right. what it was like before. Not knowing anything, like Bridget said, just watching it week to week and enjoying the shock of what you see. They just do still shock me, which is awesome, but not as much, unfortunately. Well, right. even you don't even have to be super dialed in to the show because all you have to do is watch the next week on and they're going to spoil something just like they spoiled Cole coming back. Right. That was in the preview for the next week. That wasn't even something that was. You know, oh, like I look what I saw. You know, no, it was right after the episode. They're like, oh, you're next week. Cole's going to be here. Like, what the fuck? Why did you tell us that? <laughs> that would have been an amazing surprise to just see his face on screen. Mm -hmm. Well, things like even like uh, Daniel Salazar coming back. Mm -hmm. uh, like these are big things. Uh, Dwight coming Austin back. Austin coming that to was, fear. 
yeah. pre-revealed. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Sorry, coming back, but coming back to, to the universe going to fear, yeah. via fear. Right. right, thank you. Isabel being a girl, like, I mean, that CRM soldier that was leading Althea, I would like to have not have seen the helmet come off and see that it was her or whatnot. Going back to the point, I, I do feel a little bit jealous of people that are coming to this universe later on, like when it's all over, in a way, because binge culture makes people completely desensitized. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to have that coming back. And maybe this will be like, just like, and I don't know if, if what we said before about forgetting movies is going to make the final cut. Probably not. <laughs> but like, sometimes I'll forget a movie. So just a in case. Sometimes I'll just forget a movie, like even a classic movie like Psycho or, or Halloween. I'll, I'll be like, oh, I forget the details because I don't really care about it that much. Really? If I did, I would remember it. It's not like something that shapes my, you know, shakes me to the core. Maybe this show in its own way, some of the details, even though I've taken extensive notes from season eight on, maybe those details will fade. And maybe when I come back to finally rewatch these, this show or some of the other t Walking Dead universe shows, I'll have that like new pair of eyes. Maybe when we rewatch the show's when we're covering it the week of, sometimes when we watch it again, we see something new. So maybe when we come back to it after that long a time, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I see this differently now that I'm not constantly chasing my ass <laughs> trying to get notes for the show that I can like, oh, there's a deeper appreciation because I'm not I don't have podcast brain. I, I don't I don't have my analytical brain on. I can just watch it to watch it and be like, what a fucking great show that now I can appreciate even better now that I'm not covering it or something. I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. I, I should reiterate that when I watch these shows, I never, almost never co go back unless I really have to do research for a specific thing, but I never rewatch The Walking Dead shows, The Walking Dead universe shows. I never go back. A, there's not enough time. Just, just being very honest. There's other shows. I am married. I have responsibilities. And so it's just like one of those things where like life is a little too short and there's too much cool shit in life for me to go back to it. And this is an admission, by the way, as a Walking Dead podcast, this is quite the admission because I know like you guys do. I know you guys will sometimes rewatch stuff. I just will never do it. I, I won't do it. I can't do it. And maybe it's because the Walking Dead's finishing sometimes or something like that. that there's stuff. Things like that in my mind. And I don't know how long this will last. I'm trying to stay focused so that like we can focus on what we're doing and be in this moment in time. So I try not to go back. It's me. Sorry. I'm alone in this. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> you are. Yeah. You're definitely, yeah. definitely alone in that. Yeah. Well, I, I, it goes back to what I was saying before about trying to be objective, trying to be present with all, with all that's going on. I need to be present. I need to focus on what we're doing now because I can't get sidetracked on. I mean, I know it's important to kind of focus on the moment, but that's my point is like, if I keep going back, it's like, Oh, that stuff is going to enter in and like, no, I need to focus on breaking down this episode. I don't know how you remember the shit now. you remember without going back and doing rewatches. I've watched this series probably five times through and can't remember every detail. <laughs> Maybe that's why. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But it, it is. It's like school when you take notes, when you're actually even if the notes I type don't make analysis. It's just the fact that I'm typing some dialogue or if I'm typing something that's, that oh, I need to, I enough. want to remember. Yeah. It just stays with me after that. Like it's maybe what they say about studying is true. I have three notebooks full of notes that I've handwritten. <laughs> so, I mean, I can't say it's not because I don't write as I'm watching because I do. Right. Mm. And that's why I appreciate you. It's not about the thing you remember, but like, especially when we're talking, something will come up and it'd be like, oh, oh, I just thought of this now. It's not something that I wrote down even. Mm -hmm. and, and you have, you're like that all day. Step into your mind a little bit. I think I would like to get 
out of the way the conversation about the variant and the scenes at ye old renaissance yeah <laughs> between the opening drone shot as as we lead into kingdom 2.0 was yeah. pretty impressive yeah well i guess we should start with the lead up i really loved the segue into the variant because it was so subtle that it took me like a second to be like oh this is where it comes in they're on the road and they're gonna take the wagon off the road which why just like don't ever do that but, okay well, i mean that's what they were saying that's like your call. gosh should we that's, right. should said, we? that's your it. call aaron so he suffered the consequences of that so you could have had fed- fettuccine a la can- cannellini beans so <laughs> but i loved that 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 one walker caught that they had been there and i was like oh is it because of the wind like was the wind blowing their smell towards them but the wind is they like they intentionally had the wind blowing the other direction you could see like the walker's hair was like flowing the other way so the wind was coming up from behind him like to to the left of him not to the right of him where they were so it was just so like intentional that they were like this is it this is a variant but i didn't register that right away i was just like oh the why is this walker like smarter did he hear them is this one that can yeah. like hear better so now that we've all watched tales of the walking dead and if you haven't this is a great opportunity to go back because in one of the tales of the walking dead episodes because it's an anthology series they're little sections and cross sections of the walking dead universe one of them which is Amy, Amy slash Dr. Everett, Dr. Everett, Chauncey Everett is studying the walkers 35 years in the future. And he notices these little differences. Now, when you saw that, at least, did that episode pop into your head? And I kind of want to cross reference it a little bit. No, not at all. Not until literally just now when we're talking about it. Like, really? Nope. What, what about you not guys? Not a thought. Yes. I know that was Sharon D's favorite part was watching the differences in the walker. I said yes. Sorry, I was being. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we didn't hear you, <laughs> this, but you thought of it too. Okay. So when I saw it, I was a little bit pissed off because my little biases, because <laughs> what I wanted to believe, and, and I still do, I, I don't think that the walkers in the Tales of the Walking Dead episodes were variants. I honestly think it was Dr. Everett's biases, mostly because at the end of the episode, he was like full of shit and he was kind of called out on it. It's like, no, it's just because it's Dr. Mosley. I loved him so much and I was want to keep him around. But when I saw this it was like a whole other thing. Not at all like like it was on that episode. Mm-mm. A little vindicated, but also a little pissed off because I'm, I'm hoping people don't refer back to, oh, he was right. Dr. Everett was right. I'm like, no, he wasn't. Biases. <laughs> but fuck you, Dr. Everett. <laughs> fuck you hardly. Anyway, sorry. Mean this aside. <laughs> so let's continue the thought. Well, the first cool concrete thing that we saw, one of the first was obviously the walker climbing the fence. Mm-hmm. But you don't know that it's that same walker until the interaction in which he comes to Lydia and then grabs on to her weapon, which was like insane. And I love that she's like, what? <laughs> she was like so flabbergasted by what was happening. Cause you would be right. Like you'd be like, what the hell just happened? He just grabbed onto it. They never do that. Yeah. They usually um, go on like this, like trying to grab at your face. Yeah. And, and then, you know, and then they're like, they run away from him and then first off before we even get there the fact that they heard the sound that's the walker getting over the fence and opening the door to let in the other walkers because they didn't climb the fence 
Yeah, I have to assume that too. And that Maybe. was just like I was Maybe. like, would have been a lot what? more staggered if they had. Yeah. Like right. so he he went back and opened the door. Like so he like planned this out. He's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get these <laughs> bitches. I guess I'm gonna I get you them. guys. <laughs> I'm gonna get them good. I'm gonna get them good. One, I stalked my prey. Two, I then am capable of climbing a fence, which is creepy enough on its own. Three, I am capable of using tools and also understanding mechanics enough to be able to open a door to let in other walkers or is that an echo of a memory knowing how to open a door because that is something that you do your entire life that is, is he a muscle from memory. is he from the renaissance fair was he Maybe a I'm, fair I'm, I'm, saying, walker? I'm saying open doorknobs in general no i just mean like if he was in that area would okay. that have been one of his places or whatever could that, be. That's an interesting Could be. thing. I mean, possibly, but or maybe it's just your entire life you spend opening doorknobs. So that's like a muscle memory thing. That's exactly so what I was So you can say. walk up as a walker, you walk up to the door and you just say, oh, here, this is what I do because this is what I always do with a doorknob. See, I assumed because it was like a run fair and like the way that it looked that it would have been like a gate with like a thing. I was picturing like, know, a like, like a latch, some kind of a lift latch. Like a latch or like yeah. a gate, the bar to cover. Mm hmm. Like at an old castle, you'd have like a wooden bar that would mm. you'd put gotcha. the. Gotcha. You know, but I mean, I was just I was something. Thinking, I was thinking specifically of the doorknob when they were inside the whatever the hell little place they went into. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Were, well, Oh yeah, right, they were yeah. hiding, and it was turning yeah. the doorknob. You're right. You're right. No, I wasn't even thinking of that. I was thinking like, how did he even get the gate open to like let the other walkers in? Well, see. Almost everything that was mentioned here doesn't bother me so much because like Sharon D said, I was going to say this as well, was like it's muscle memory, a.k.a. the neocortex. The neocortex concatenates movements that we're used to, like the fact that I know how to do lift my arms up and, and know where those arms are going to go or end up when I do this. That's your neocortex. Sure. But is thought and planning part of that? That's what bothers me. It actually bothers me a lot that what you literally just started off saying that it went back to open the door for the herd. That bothers me tremendously. It's terrifying. They're taking a huge, huge, huge leap because it's not just ambulatory walkers. It's not just walkers that know how to use tools or possibly right to use tools or how to take down their prey. It's that planning that, 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 that doesn't only open the door. It kicks it wide <laughs> open. I know that this is like risky, right? From a writing standpoint, it's, that's what it's I'm very saying. risky. But I will say that I absolutely love this direction, and I know that this is like over the top and wild and crazy. But think of like any other zombie media that's like gone on for many years. They usually end up evolving in some way because it's not scary after it's the same thing over and over and over again. So, you know, you had regular walkers. Okay, that's not very scary. Well, now we've added roamers and lurkers into the bunch, so it's like a little bit scarier. They could just be like playing dead, but they're not really, and like that's weird. But as a thing that's happened. Then we get in the whispers because those aren't actually walkers, but they look like walkers and we think that they are at the beginning and they're whispering and it's creepy and have they evolved? <laughs> and <laughs> now we're at this point, right? Like, because we've run out of like, it's gonna, it's too much of the same. So it's gotta be different. Now, I know none of you guys listen to it, but there is a serial podcast on Apple Podcasts called We're Alive. I've mentioned it to you guys before because I am obsessed. I absolutely adore it. In it, there are traps that are created by the zombies. Not all of them, but there are specific ones who were very intelligent in life 
that are then as a result very intelligent in death in in comparison to other zombies. They set up intricate traps and will hide. So they'll like block the road with cars and then be like hidden off to the side. And that concept is so scary to me from a horror perspective like as someone who consumes horror and and likes horror this is just so creepy and scary and i i want to get back to a point where walkers are scary again they are this is creepy right it's climbing up the side of the building jerry is like immobile in this moment and like unable to protect himself and this guy's just gonna come up and then aaron's like you're like okay it's okay aaron's gonna get him and then aaron goes to like hit him and the guy he's like fighting back and you're like yeah oh oh is aaron gonna die right now like i'm not well, and, okay with this and the first thing that he does when he gets up there is pick up that huge ass rock too <sighs> so scary i mean yeah. i loved it personally but i get where you're coming from it's risky but uh, but well it's it was just the planning thing that was the only thing that really fucked me up it's like oh he went back and opened the door for the rest <laughs> of them that's what got me everything else i'm f- totally effing fine with but, and actually, it's funny, until you had mentioned that, I didn't, didn't really register that that's what happened. Like, oh, he opened the door for everybody else. Anyway, so. <laughs> well, one excellent impression of me, by the way. And then two. <laughs> actually, it was me making two, fun of me two, <laughs> watching um, the thing. But yeah, it was, anyway, it was only because of the sound engineering that ha- occurred at that point yeah. in the episode. They were very intentional about what they did, right? There was like the initial first sound. And so you're like, okay, that's. Like, that's the walker jumping the fence. And then there's a second and a third sound. And so you're like, okay. So wait, Bridget, so what was are, you that? S- are you saying you write this show? I do. <laughs> so. I do. You know what? I, I, I love often the way you're go, telling this, actually. I often go uncredited in episodes, but yes, I indeed write this show. We will restore your glory. <laughs> <laughs> it was just really, no. it, there's so many it was great cool, episodes yeah. of this episode. Like, great episodes, great moments in this episode, but. That was one of them. And it's just as simple as just having great sound design. And it sets yeah, up mean, this whole story that you're not even being shown, which I love. Right. Of Melee. all the people who should have known that that was not a whisperer, Lydia, Lydia should have known right. that those were not whisperers. What reason did she have to know that they're not whisperers, though? I mean, I, I feel like I would be thinking the same thing. Like, a walker can't open a door, so somebody had to let them in. And I'm not thinking that walkers have evolved. And we know that whispers ran out there. I mean, Bethany K is one of them. We saw her run out. They're still out there somewhere. So I would be thinking that, that it could be. You know what? Can I, can I take this a little bit further? If there were whispers out there and there are variants in the mix, mm. I'm almost convinced that like the variants would have taken care of them. Yeah, I was going to say, you know I, I would mean? be like, they scared would know to the be difference. a whisperer right now with uh, being surrounded by yeah. walkers with variants because they'd be like... Yeah, not falling for it. Um, um, um. <laughs> In regards to Lydia not knowing, I actually thought it was one of those moments where your brain is just really trying to make sense of everything that's happening. And so yeah. you're not really necessarily thinking logically because your brain is just trying to fill in the missing pieces, right? So it's yeah. like, uh, okay, looks like a walker grabbing onto my weapon. That's not normal. So, it, But it can't it can't be a walker. So it's got to be a whisper, even though that doesn't make any sense. Right. I just felt like her brain was just trying to fill in those blanks for her. To Sharon's point, she should be able to recognize them, though, right? Like looking out into the crowd, she would know what they would look like versus a regular walker. I'm just walker. saying that 
right after being around whisperers for six years of anybody who would recognize that these are not whisperers, Lydia should have been the one, even the one that grabbed your weapon. She would right? know that's not a whisper, especially after stabbing it in the shoulder and it just keeps going and not right? screaming. Because a whisperer, a whisperer would have at least gone ow, you know, and, and this, <laughs> this is not doing that. So like, this is like a yeah. small nitpick. Right. But I'm just like, of all the people like, that were on, there in this situation, <laughs> Lydia should have been like, no, these aren't whisperers because they're not acting like whisperers. Something is off. Well, in, in her defense, she doesn't confirm or affirm what Aaron says right, at all. Right, right. But what I'm saying is when he said that, she should have been like, no, these aren't whisperers. Something as simple as like, I don't see any whispers," And she would. She would recognize what they look like versus a regular walker out of anybody. She would know more than anyone. I agree. They could have just thrown in a little line like, well, I don't see any Let's get a closer look or something. Right. You know, I'm, I'm glad that she didn't, because in the absence of an answer, I think having Aaron saying it's a whisper, which shows like, first of all, there's different responses to a crisis situation, like a, an immediate high adrenaline, high panic inducing situation. Of course, Aaron has to have the answer now in order to be able to deal with it. While Lydia doesn't say anything and probably assumes I'll just go with this guy because we'll just we need to figure this out now. So, like, I'm glad she didn't say anything at all because she doesn't in her own way affirm or deny that claim. She just goes, OK, I'm just going with this guy because I don't know what the fuck just happened here. That's why I like that scene. It also kind of showcases like in the, this whole episode does this like every interaction that we've seen with Aaron in this episode that he truly is viewed as a leader in their group because that's where I was going with that. Because yes. they follow him, even though his idea admittedly isn't super stellar. Taking a wagon off road. Come on. I mean, and it's full. It's not that it's empty. It's full. That is not a wise decision. But it was the decision that he made in that moment because he felt like that was going to be what was best. One, safety wise and two, time wise, because he's very concerned about the time element in this episode. Mm -hmm. And I get that. And I get it because we're also like, what happened at Oceanside? To Oceanside. And like, yeah. Like, I yeah. want to know. I want to know. Is everybody okay? No rush, Aaron. They're all dead. <laughs> oh, my. And, and no, he, that's my and fear. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? Let's, speaking of all the note taking that we've ever taken, let's really take a moment to appreciate why he has this affinity for Oceanside. And, and it's that he took this huge, talk about gambles, and we'll get to that, Lance and Pamela, at, at some point. <laughs> But like, talk about a person who really bet on Oceanside a couple of times in moments where he, I was at the time, I was like, you really shouldn't <laughs> there. You can cut your losses. I mean, I know it's the saviors, but mm, maybe not them and almost died. And they ended up taking him in and, and, and giving him food and making him feel better and, and all that stuff and saying, not affirming that they would help him, but, but just at least consider it, which is a huge thing. So, of course, after that gamble and after they actually did end up, Oceanside did end up coming to Hilltop and saving them. I think he has this very, very big affinity. And, of course, his trips down there with Enid at the time, you know, there's, there was a special moment in time for him. So, of course, he's, he wants to make sure that they're safe after making him safe and saving everybody, all the people that he loves. Yeah. You know, so that really kind of brings us back. And, you know, Jerry gives him a little bit of pushback. But when Aaron says, like, this is what needs to happen, he falls in line. Yeah. And so I think it just really was a testament to, like, how much of a leader Aaron is to these people. And that is a level of growth that we've seen from afar in a very slow, slow way. And so I think this was really impactful. Like, we needed this scene to finally happen to, to affirm his place 
in these communities, essentially. Yeah. I mean, we did see, obviously, we did see some of that stuff in the council and, and all that, all those yeah, dealings and stuff definitely. like that. But, but just to see, and to see people from other communities be like, this guy, he knows. Yeah. We'll just go along with him. We trust him. And in a sense, had he figured it out right away, I don't know if I would have bought it. No. I'm I'm kind of no. more happy that he assumed that it was a whisperer. And the whole situation was completely confusing. And so we kind of go on that, you know, that like ride that we were on, like walk zombies, <laughs> zombies, <laughs> walk. What are these? The dead come back. To, sorry, the dead come back to life. What? You know, that we have that moment again. It's like when we saw Bla- Blair Gina, where, where Blair comes back, she has her first repeat. They were dead. He was dead. The truck driver was dead. And then he came back. Like that, that aha moment. We get like another aha moment. And then, of course, is the face of terror as they go to commercial break. Well, we have to deal with this shit now. What? <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Mm. Chef's kiss. So I brought up Lance and Pamela. We talked about gambles with Oceanside. Why don't we bring it to that scene? Because it, it's it's not a big scene and it allows us to kind of go back to some of the other earlier moments in the episode where we see Pamela and Sebastian. Because those aren't very huge scenes. They are huge visually, as you may have seen in the Dave Reacts, where I kind of lost my fucking mind, where we got to see Sebastian turn. And I was like, there is more Teo? <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? Teo, like, you son of a bitch. He it must didn't have say anything. It must have injured his soul to not tell me, oh, there's, I'm not off the show yet. But, uh, <laughs> and now we have to talk to him again this Sunday. So that we, before the next episode, so we can include it in this episode. But, oh, I got you guys. I'm back on the show still. They, I'm not, and they didn't kill him at the end yeah. of this episode. So. Walker Sebastian persists. Oh no, Pamela's fully pulling a governor right now. I so want him to bite Pamela. <laughs> Why? I'm curious. Like, what is it? What is oh, it about it? it would, wouldn't, well, wouldn't that just be the most poetic justice type thing to have him take her out of all people? I'm going to say yes and. What would make it even be cooler is her like going out like Carol would have in the comics. She'd be like, yes, this what? is this is how it's meant to be. No. Well, and of course, when when he Carol does walks right into her, the walker in the cup. No, Mm-mm, I don't see Pamela doing that. She's not going to give up on well, everything. Why I say this is because like in that scenario, she has no other option is where my mind is at. Like, because, of course, it's like near her end and she has nowhere to go. And she's like, yeah. This makes sense. So things are going to get like, worse she for lets, Pamela, and that's how she yeah, would end it. that's what I'm okay. thinking. Okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly, okay. exactly. Okay. She's backed into a corner. She's like, no, this makes but sense. not right now. This is how it should. No, no, not not nearly. Not before she fucks some more yeah. shit up. I'm sure. But let's let's go back to where we, we're at now. Let's start with Pamela admitting to her dead Sebastian in her own way saying, I thought there would be more time. And this concept pops up everywhere even with mercer and princess even with aaron talking about eric because it's implied aaron says no to eric because you know it's pre-apocalypse i could fuck around with this guy a little bit (laughs) like no eric no i don't no i will not go out with you but like that shit shouldn't happen in the apocalypse and you know lydia as much as she's going through something and trying to imagine a, a life of her own with somebody else eric's just trying to tell her like aaron's trying to tell her or Aaron was trying to tell, was trying to tell her like, yeah, I mean, listen, it's up to you, but like, you're the one in control here and life is short. It's not as long as you think it's going to be. And so take the good, like 
Carol says in the previous episode, take the moments where you can get them. Even if you're wrong, just take the moments where you can get them. But going back to Pamela, she sort of says the same thing to Sebastian while he's dead. You'd think there'd be more time to, and she even admits to control you. I tried, I guess. Where do you think Pamela is at? Because obviously she wants to look for somebody to pay. And obviously she's doing that to maintain some sense of order. But is it just to maintain a sense of order? Are we moving into territory where, like, it's all about her? Now it's actively all about her? Well, the only way she stays safe is if to, is if to maintain order. She has to keep up appearances and keep it under control. Because if she doesn't, then everything will crumble. She's kind of what's holding it together right now, right? She has to make the appearance and make it look like she's in charge. Because that's how she stays safe. Even if she has nobody left, she has no Sebastian left. She's got no family left. She's got nothing left. But she has she, herself. She still has herself. And the only way she stays safe is by keeping the Commonwealth safe. Well, and that makes her a particularly dangerous person. Because if you have nobody or nothing personally to have to live for, doesn't that make you the most dangerous person in a sense? Especially if you make this all about you now. Well, yeah. Right. She's going to do whatever she can to survive, right? Yeah. And she has absolutely nothing to lose. Oof. I hate that she knows she clearly blames Hornsby and yet is using Jesus. a different fall guy because she's like, no, you're going to be my bitch now and you're going to do what I need you to do. Feed my son because I am the governor now, apparently. Right. Well, to, and to, to make that point clear, like she knows that Lance was had sent his goons out, uh, Calhoun and She-Ra, to She-Ra. create that Walker fiasco to further exacerbate what was already going to happen. And you'll notice only one of them mm-hmm. is dead. Dum, bum, ba, bum, yes, I'm very curious to know where Shira is at the moment. Yeah. Or maybe she's next to feed Sebastian. Well, maybe they have her on ice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she's, well, yeah, body's, her well, body's no. still warm. They got to keep they her, need her alive, alive so they can kill her yeah. right before her. Yeah. Exactly. Well, they have to keep yeah. her. Right. Good point. They yeah. have to feed her a little bit, you know, give her plump a little her time up. to. Yeah, plump her Yeah, up. exactly. Give her some <laughs> rhubarb pie. <laughs> Even in death, but, he'll live better than most other people. <laughs> Lance, we're done. Is, no, oh, no. Sebastian. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Is, wow. Is Shira going to have a, like, a, you know, oh, my God, they're after me now. So, you know, let me switch sides and I'm going to go let Eugene out because we had something at one time. And maybe I can get him to believe me. And maybe. I wouldn't, mm. I wouldn't be mad at that as much as, like, I was just as, like, hmm. Like when she did what she did, like kicking Eugene mm. in the stomach and stuff like that. I still kind of because it kind of goes back to the opening nostalgia sequence. Like I really I literally wrote it down because I thought it was really cool. What Judith says in the beginning with the Eugene centered nostalgia montage, she says, sometimes I wonder if it takes more courage to live or die. We've all done things to be here, things we'd like to forget. We became whoever we needed to be. Maybe that's Shira. I don't know. But nah, who we bitch. are now that she- The choices we make now, maybe that's all that matters. But like, right. But at the same time, we have to really, really think about this because Mercer's in that right now. Mm -hmm. And of course, we come in with our favorites and we come in knowing who the good guys and the bad guys are. Sort of. Because you never know what bad guy is going to turn good guy. Quote, I'm using air quotes later on. I mean, look at Dwight. We were trying to stay consciously aware that he was a dirtbag when he came over to fear. And yet, when we saw him trying to do evolve and figure himself out now that he was not under the specter of Negan, we all, I saw it one by one, all of us warmed up to him. 
in this weird and especially and it's just like it happens over time. And as soon as he sees Sherry in season six, we're all like, OK, I'm crying now. Why am I crying now? This guy's a jerk. I'm crying I know now. This and guy's he a shot jerk. Denise in the, in the eye. In the fucking, in the fucking <laughs> eye socket. I can't even handle it. It was like the most upsetting scene. But... Like you hate yourself for crying and yet yeah. you're crying so could Shira be, be the fair, same way? He wasn't aiming at Denise. I mean, no, it was that's an true. accident. But he was you know aiming what? at Daryl. He was aiming at my boy after he stole his bike. He's a real punk <laughs> and his best and his crossbow. He's the worst. Hey, Sharon. I love him now, though. I think Sharon is going to be on my side with this one. At the time, I was like, eh, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Take out Daryl, whatever. Yeah, because I was so I was like, not Denise. Well, I mean, I was I was distraught over Denise. I was distraught yeah. over that, especially what she was trying to say at the time. I know. Like, just you gotta live, guys. Well, you I mean, is it that is it that the perfect microcosm of this show? We just said I just said it last week. The minute you try to turn a new leaf over, whether it's to have a redemption arc or change who you are, like Denise was changing from the shy, scared can't do anything to a strong i'm gonna go out there and do this you know kill these walkers and get a soda for my girlfriend and she died just like sebastian died well and cindy tried to turn over a new leaf isn't this show like just very clearly trying to tell all of us yes this is about the post-apocalypse right this is also about life now change now change while you still can enjoy the benefits of change don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until you regret it. Change now. I thought the show was just telling me to be a shit bag because they're the ones that <laughs> survive, right? They don't change at all. Just be the same person you have been and you'll be fine. Well, but though, that's the thing. Like, but what is that? What is that? Because we all say it's supposed to be, uh, you're supposed to be the person you were meant to be. But how do you, how do you even know who you're meant to be? Do you just fall into it? This is kind of why, why I like this, the idea of Shira making some sort of alliance with our gang, because she has nowhere to go. She's going to be the next. I could see that happening, but the way that everything played out in the episode really led me to believe that Mercer is actually going to be the one to let Eugene out. Oh, yeah. No. Well, I don't know about let Eugene out. That's what I was led to believe. Based on what happened, it just really seemed like to me that the fact that Eugene came forward and took the blame, even though Mercer knows full well what his sister did because she admitted it to him and told him exactly what happened. He sees the man who his sister loves show up and just like a majestic mulleted white knight just lay down his life and say no it was me and she did nothing and i did it all you could see mercer's face change when eugene said and maxine had nothing to do with it i did it all by myself you could just see mercer shift and the his his the gears start turning in his head that was actually probably one of my favorite scenes just because just because of that just that little shift awesome work michael james shaw that little shift in his face just yeah but yeah, he's he is firmly 100 percent on Eugene's side now. 100%. The facial acting that he portrayed in this episode was incredible. It's not even just yeah, that scene. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And no, you're right. It wasn't just that scene. But going back to what you were saying, Sharon, I don't think he's on his side just yet. But I do think because there's a perfect call and response moment. The call is Maxine saying she's echoing something that her father had said to her that she that, of course, Mike knows Speak truth no matter what the cost. Mm. 
And Mercer's father was also a general, which kind of does bring back the whole nepotism thing, too, again. He was a general, so of course Mercer is going to be a general, right? You got to follow your dad. But she also follows that up with a one-two punch saying, our dad would have been proud of Eugene. Dad would have been ashamed of you. So this response is Eugene, the one who her dad would have been proud of, coming up, saving Max. Mercer is trying to save Max by doing the wrong thing. Eugene is trying to save Max by doing the right thing. And so it was really cool to see, oh, fuck, she's right in his face. That's what it was. I still think he's going to struggle, though. And I'm I'm hoping they can extend this as long as humanly possible, because we do all think that Mike Mercer, General Mike Mercer, is a fucking awesome dude. But it's kind of like what he was saying on Talking Dead last week, his compartmentalizing his putting the Commonwealth in one bucket and his personal entanglements in another and his and what he knows is right on another is going to fuck him up. And that's again, that's why in our podcast graphics, he blends into the moon because we don't know if he's in the shadow with our gang or if he's at the center of it all. You know, and he, if he's at the center of all this conflict, I love the facial expressions. Can I take a sidebar sort of because there was that scene with Princess after that scene? There's something that Mike, Mike, because it's Michael James Shaw and it's Mike Mercer, (laughs) something that Mike did in his acting that really triggered me. Princess was getting up from the floor and Mike reaches out to sort of like at the end of it, help her up. Like his brain was kind of trying to catch up with the moment. And it triggered me because what you guys don't know maybe is that like when I was in high school and even afterwards, I did a lot of community theater. But there was this one moment in high school where I joined the drama troupe and I was trying out for it and I was caught in this scene. I was supposed to be playing like this unappreciative husband in this one, like just this one improv scene. And I was playing against somebody who was just doing a really convincing job of being this woman who's finally just had it with me. And she goes off on me and there's no script to this. (laughs) She just completely unloads on me. I come home and I'm like, I'm all like mad because she's like, where's my fucking dinner? You know, I'm trying to sit down and watch my shows. What are you fucking bothering me for? Like I'm doing that thing. And all of a sudden she unloads. And I got completely ejected from where I was, where I was, my headspace was. She like hit me hard. And so when he was doing that, I felt the same thing. Like I, I like it just, it hit me on top of hitting me because it was so personal. I felt like almost, and I know this is not the case because Michael James Shaw is a terrific actor, but like, I felt like he could be forgiven for being like, damn, this girl brought it, you know, like as my, as Mike Michael James Shaw, like this girl, I don't know what to do here. So like everything he was doing was so authentic to the experience. Like he's compartmentalizing. He doesn't know how to handle this. He wants to do what's right. He wants to do what's good for the Commonwealth, but he also loves this woman and he doesn't want her to leave. It hit me on those, like these multiple levels where like, I I didn't know what to do on that stage. And my, and the coach knew it. And he said, that's great, folks. That's that's great. Let's go to the next scene that we're going to set up now. <laughs> and, to, and that that I'm just going to say this on the side. Until that moment, I thought I was pretty good. But that moment still haunts me today. And it, it really shook my confidence as an actor, even though like I was in plays thereafter. I did a lot of musical theatery kind of parts and stuff like that. But I can't get out of my head. Think about like so many cool things in your life that never show up on the big stage and are never going to be something that's famous, but something that cool that you saw that never that other people don't know about. Like I thought I, I saw an actor do something really cool who probably never went into acting ever again. This this girl got married, probably had kids, never went into acting ever again. 
But like, it was like one of the most powerful performances I ever had. And it just, just brought me out. It made me Dave cameo instead of shitbag husband number one, you know? And it's, it's amazing. Sorry. I just, I felt that was so powerful. Like, yes, Paolo was really powerful in that scene. But like what Mike did just really like, just, just hit me really hard. I don't know. Sorry. It's weird. And, it, and maybe it's because he's the guy in the scenario too. And I've been in these sort of conversations with other people before telling me really hard truths. So like, there's that factor as well. Like, and, and yeah, it, there were moments where I didn't know what to say. Shocking. <laughs> so first of all, I thought that Paola was freaking amazing in that scene. Just the choices that she made when she says, fuck that thinking, it could mm -hmm. be better too. She kind of smiles when she says it could be better too, but then immediately she's back. The way she says, I just loved that choice. That was probably my favorite, my favorite scene of the entire episode was, was that one with her and Mercer. You know what I really like about that? Cause that's the crescendo, right? That's the last, like, okay. You could see her trying to verbalize that from the very first scene with she and Mike, she's in the police station and she's, it's not something she has it completely worked out yet. She she's with Ezekiel in that next scene. And she she tells him some things and she's like, oh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Then when she gets to Mike, it's like, OK, I've worked it out. And here's what I've got for you, Mike, because I knew that we were going to have this conversation, maybe. And so she lays it out all on him and lays it out in a way that I love you. But this is why I need to go. It builds up. And I love how she makes sure to tell him that even though she sees men as monsters because of that, that she doesn't think he's one. And I think what she's also saying is, even though you're part of the Commonwealth, I don't think that you are buying in. You're a part of the Commonwealth. You believe in the good part of the Commonwealth, not the underbelly. She was trying to say that I believe in you, that you're not one of these people. And, you know, I didn't think of this until you just said it. That plays very well with the relationship that Rosita and he have, too. They do have this w mutual respect, even though in this moment it feels like he's being antagonistic. I think Rosita still does have that in her. He just needs to catch up. It's really hard seeing a character like Princess, who is just so happy and so upbeat all the time, to see her kind of beat down like that, to hear about some of the shit that she had to go through, to hear that and know her as a character and see her still being so happy and having such a positive outlook on life. Well, refusing not to be not happy. She's still able to be so happy and look on the good side of things and recognize that she was talking to Ezekiel about, you know, I know this place looks nice, but maybe underneath it's all crap. I had this feeling that she was kind of talking about Mercer, too. Maybe he just looks nice, but really underneath he's a piece of crap, too. But we we know that's not true. I think we know. Well, maybe she does. And, and she probably does, too. I think maybe, you know, it was an emotional moment for her just being angry at the situation and the fact that she said, you say you're doing everything, but are you really doing everything that you can? Because she's not wrong, right? She's not wrong. God, and Paula just fucking knocked it out of the park. Look what she's fucking doing to me. To see a character that I relate to so much just be beaten down like that, you know, it's hard. I try to be happy and positive all the time, but it's hard when shit just sucks sometimes. I tend to be like, looking on the other side of it, the brighter side of her character in those moments. What I took away from that, obviously, look, obviously learning about how bad it was, was one thing, but learning also that she refused, she raised hell 
that she refused to give in to the idea that this is the way it should be throughout. Yeah. That is what, that's actually what got me in spite of everything. Fuck you. That's not how this is supposed to be. Could you, how, who is that? That's what her superpower is. And then as you were talking, I was like, of course she's friends with Ezekiel because isn't that, and yet I smile. Kind of what he does too. Yeah. Look, I feel like a Johnny come lately. Like, <laughs> Hey guys, Hey, is that, and yet I smile, but like, it's not as obvious until you kind of put it that way. Or like, until we saw it on the screen in this episode, I was like, wait, that's like, I refuse to bow to the forces of oppression. Let's just be dramatic. Like Ezekiel, like I refuse to bow to those forces that are trying to weigh me down. And yet I smile. And yet I raise hell like princess. So of course they're fucking friends. And I have a question to this because I think half of you read the comics Bridget and Rachel is princess even on the scene when Ezekiel eventually dies at the Pikes, but princess isn't even a part of the universe until. So isn't that fucking great? They never even met that. Like we get this, we get to have this. Yeah. That these two characters get to mirror each. I mean, maybe princess is a sort of response to the Ezekiel being gone, like replacement, but isn't it great to have both of these characters mirror each other in a sense? Oh, okay. Let's take this even further. And Ezekiel is, Basically her future. This could be you. You don't have to run away. The options aren't sit there and take it or run away. I'm here. I'm doing it, princess. So like this is what it could be. You could work through this. You could fight. You don't have to go back to what you felt like you had to do and raise hell or just get GTFO. You could you could work through this. He's he's worth it. And I think the next episode might be his response is that like he's going to show her that not only are men not monsters, but I can be the example that that no, they don't all have to be monsters by default. I can show you that they're not all like that. And I like that. That's a possibility. This is the thing about the show that I'm a little scared about is that we expect that Mike's going to do the right thing. And I'm a little terrified that he won't now that we're talking about this, because that would be the cool twist. Like he makes a huge mistake and fucks things up. OK, because I'm sorry to bring everybody down. Because... Linda would be so upset. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. You guys touched on a lot of it already, right? Like I, one, the acting was phenomenal in that moment. Dave, you probably know this from an actor perspective, because I I did small town theater myself. Those are the scenes as an actor that you just beg for that's the character you want to play the one who's got this big emotional moment where they have like a breakthrough and it's over the top and intense so like from an acting yeah. perspective it's like so cool that she got that the Paula got you don't that. want to be mike in that scenario that's what i'm saying i, I mean i mean he did a fantastic <laughs> he did a fantastic job playing off of that that's like the gold that you're looking for as an actor is is those moments where you feel like this is really going to showcase someone out there's emotions and I, and I'm going to be able to tap into that. I don't I don't know Paula's life. She has made it seem to me the things that she has said is that Princess is similar to her in a lot of ways. Not 100% because she she often jokes about this is like the Paula Princess. This is where we meet. This is the mix. At like age 7 is what she specifically <laughs> said on New York Comic Con I think it so, was. So my childhood wasn't that level, but to live through trauma and to know pain and to have someone say that, this is the shit that makes me love this show. I got teary watching it the first time I cried. I got teary eyed watching it again yesterday. 
as you were like and almost got me and i was like it got me i'm getting teary eyed now just talking about it it was so impactful and so intense and so beautifully done but on top of all of that isn't it always the case that like the happiest people you know have just been through the most shit so doesn't this just make sense from like a worldview of course because you have to be that happy to be able to make it another day I can't wake up in the morning and decide today's going to be the day that I'm just going to let it all get to me. <laughs> like, I can't. I'm laughing because it's, yeah, I get it. I can't. Wow. Right? I have to get up. <laughs> I have to keep going and I have to push through all of it. And that's just me having a different trauma and, and different stuff. But like it being similar enough that I'm like, yeah, girl, <laughs> for sure. It sucks. And Sharon, was right. That smile for that split second in that delivery. Second fucking a dude she's like but she's right and honestly everyone who watched that episode i really hope that you genuinely took that away from this it doesn't have to suck and i have told myself so many times in my life that it could be worse you're getting hit but it could be worse no dude no just no it could be so much better and that was just I still don't do that to myself now. So like hearing that, it's like that's going to play and live in my head rent re- free for the rest of my life. It could be better. Just like fuck that. Yeah. It could be better. I, it should be better. I want everyone to like have walked away from that and really hear that. And the other scene that she had with Ezekiel, which we we haven't talked about as much, but that other scene also had a really beautiful moment where she said, maybe I don't deserve the best of a bad situation and yeah and ezekiel says yeah you you don't you don't you that deserve fucker. you deserve good in your life and like i'm looking at you whoever is watching this right now you deserve better okay i'm i'm not saying go out there and be an asshole because your life is already pretty good and like you deserve but like if you've been through some shit you deserve more you deserve better and it's okay to have it and it's okay to love yourself and to be loved by other people that took me a fucking long time to realize myself like when you're when you were talking about abuse i've talked about this with you and i've i've been i've been down that road and i've literally said in my head i guess i deserve this because you just you let it you let it beat you down because if it's not something i must have done it's that i didn't do enough about it to stop it yeah and then it's so cyclical because it's either yeah either i feel like i i deserve this in this moment because i made a mistake or whatever but after that it's always i don't deserve to get out of this because i got myself here well that i don't have fucking value in inherent value in the world that I, and I'm not owed that. That's the big takeaway. And then that's what I love so much about her performance is that it it's written that way. We have to remember that. <laughs> but she she and but what we're marveling at is that she owns it. And it's a very rare thing in this show. We don't get characters like this in this show very often. The closest that we've ever gotten. I'm trying to figure out if I'm right about this. Very much Glenn. Very much rick but more than anybody else herschel it's not even just an archetype but a paragon of how one ought to conduct themselves in the world hey be like this can i be like this a lot of the characters on the show are like i mean i like what he's doing here but he's he's not all that great or she's not all that great she's done some things but this what has this person done ever I mean, yes, she almost blowed them up on the minefield, whatever. But like, <laughs> that was, you know, she's trying to impress them, right? 
But what I'm saying is like, how often do you get a character that's, you know, as the kids say, she's so pure, she's pretty innocent. You don't get that in this universe. And I love that they kind of keep going by making her an example of somebody who survived abuse that's on the other side of it. That not only do I deserve better, I refuse to accept anything else other than better. That is very rare because usually in performances, it's like there's that struggle. No, there's no struggle. This is it. I deserve better than this. And you feel her working up to verbalizing it throughout the episode. She's, she's got it in the beginning. She gets it a lot better with Zeke, but she kind of hones in on it and delivers it to Mike saying, hey, listen, I, I love you, but this is the reality. Don't say it could be worse. It could be better. Wonder Woman 84, Pedro Pascal. That's the, that went through my <laughs> mind, too. Life is good, but it can be better. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Let's not talk about Pedro Pascal and things being better. Oh, <laughs> you know, you take one death and then you get spun <laughs> off into The Last of Us, The Mandalorian, Wonder Woman 84. His career took off since his eyeballs popped out of his fucking skull or popped into his fucking skull. More like, hey, spoilers, spoilers, <laughs> Game of Thrones, spoilers, everybody. <laughs> the, the big elephant trunk in the room oh, God. let's talk about that one scene where she, pamela's digging into his pockets fishing for some cucumbers. i thought that scene was going a way different direction i for real was like what is she doing <laughs> what chef's is kiss what chef's is he kiss. doing well, she was there kiss. goes my Petting theory him, about like them being related oh, <laughs> it got creepy really fast it's like they saw the principal photography from the last episode and said oh they're gonna love this and i i did i was like keep playing with this weird weird ass tension i know that you guys are discussed some Thanks, who was the one I that was really it. disgusted <laughs> i, I think it's I great hate it. i was just i was i loved the scene because i like the weird tension like you said i was really i was really digging that mm. but when she reached into his pocket i was just like whoa Wait, wait, wait. We all went, whoa, <laughs> you saw this? my face. She's like, like what are we going mean, to do they, with you? I wasn't sure if she was talking to him. Did they do or... that? On, I wonder, like, did they, did they do cock. that on purpose knowing that was how we were all going to react? Or was it just an unfortunate angle of shooting that they didn't really consider when they did it? Because, I mean... <laughs> Ooh, I have never, I think never in this show before has my well. mind gone directly to, oh my gosh, she's getting ready to grab his... What? It was like if if they were doing it on purpose, what was the point? Just a little shock value to make us jump or what was the purpose behind making it look like she was getting ready to grab his twig and berries? I think it was trying to clarify a relationship that we haven't really seen much of. And I don't mean like that there's actually a relationship. That is n by no means what I mean. I mean that she knows that Lance is under her thumb possibly because of sexual interest or just because of the power dynamic and he gets off on that. I don't really know, but she knows what he wants. She's not no, going to give it to him. I, I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like on, on top of the layers and upon layers of <gasps> trying to scheme his way into power, essentially, or graces, it's his like little Achilles heel that he does have a thing for her and she knows it. And I think what's great about that is it kind of goes back to what he was trying to say to Eugene by proxy Maxine, you can't defeat the Miltons. They're they're just they're just unbeatable. But maybe that's just the case for him because he can't. It's like playing with fire for him. He has to sort of scheme his way into Pamela's good graces by default. Uh, 
It's like Andrea and the governor. Yeah. She has to kill him and she couldn't do it because she couldn't keep it in her pants. Exactly. It's like his Achilles heels. Like, well, you know, I mean, I want to have some a taste of power, but I actually kind of dig this lady. Or maybe it's a thing for him. Maybe I want a taste thrives. of something else. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, that milk in between the legs. But I mean, I hate myself. I, don't know. Right now, I hate myself so much. <laughs> I love you, Bridget. Thank you so much. I hate myself for that statement. Uh... Is that what we think is going on here? Is that we're we're all clear on the facts on this one? See, I never got a feeling that Lance wanted to have any kind of relations with Pamela. If that's what you're saying, I never ever got that feel from them. Doesn't every man want to fuck every woman? Isn't that just I mean, but but I'm saying I, from, I never saw from I never experience. Saw that that I can tell you that's not true. <laughs> yeah, I never saw that as something that they were trying to to put up between them. I never saw that. So that was why I'm like confused as to why they made this over. You're saying in scenes prior. Right. Throughout, well, since the Commonwealth has been, since we've known Lance and Pamela, I've never seen that between them or him wanting that from her. The only thing he wants from I agree. her is power. Yeah. We had, to be fair, we haven't seen a ton of interactions directly between the two of them either. Well, except for that one scene but, in B. Which well, is what I think Michelle referring to. There have to. been scenes with them alone together that had not been sexual in any way. And I feel like if that was where they were going with their relationship, we would have seen a lot more hint, uh, more hint, hinting of that. It, it was, that's why it kind of felt out of left field to me because I was like, wait, why is she doing that? But I mean, I can see if it's like her asserting her dominance over him. Like, watch, I can even reach in here and grab your twig and berries and you can't stop me like but other grab than your that, coin. Had, yeah. she should have peed on him then if that it's was, heads you know if she was trying to establish dominance she should have just peed but right on him let's let's just take this a little further because in the prior scenes he wasn't in as big trouble as he was in those two specific moments where we see him in this third trimester he's exposed <laughs> in trouble and maybe there's something I, I and I'm not saying I, this is it. I'm just flirting with the idea. See, I'm just going to keep going with these puns that the fact that he's this exposed is sort of exciting to him. And maybe it does, it's not even Pamela herself, per se, but just that he gets off on the, the, the risk or the thrill of being, oh, I'm in trouble. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't even have to be her, but she is the highest authority. And she's deigning to, ooh, ah, principal, I see. What, are, what, am I in, what am I in trouble for now? He wants a dominatrix, you know, like, is what you're saying. He's a sub. He <laughs> is a sub. I think we cracked it, folks. We cracked it, folks. That's a wrap. We, but you know, on, a, on a serious note, though, in a similar fashion, and I'm really not upset or perturbed, but confused that even Angela Kang didn't acknowledge this at the time. Because I don't know what, why they chose not to, like, and I mentioned this earlier, I don't know why they didn't choose to include Jesus, Jesus Paul Rovia, in Aaron's conversation with Lydia. Because in similar fashion, there wasn't explicitly mention of any relationship, well, like, other than training with Aaron yeah. and Jesus. They didn't establish that Aaron and Jesus had a relationship. They were together in the comic books. And so the comic book readers saw what they want to see, what they wanted to see. But they were not a, an on-screen couple at all. Right. It wasn't explicitly said. But like what I'm saying is that you could still even imply that in those sessions, there might have been something. I mean, the tension I was there. I saw it, but the, I wanted the to. The eyes were there. Exactly. I wanted to see and it. And so maybe, maybe in similar fashion, 
by not explicitly really saying it, but us going, what is going on here? They're actually saying it. It's just like when you see a piece of art that utilizes negative space. It's just so satisfying to watch. You don't have to say everything because sometimes it allows us to kind of extrapolate what this could be or even what Aaron and Jesus could be. It wasn't explicitly said, but we can imagine what those what those private fighting sessions might have been like. <laughs> so, so are you go. are you saying this is like the opposite side of the hate bang coin? <laughs> oh, I'm going to make you say it. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot more tension between Maggie and Negan than there ever has been between Pamela and Lance. I've never felt that in prior scenes. I didn't feel sexual tension in this. That didn't feel se- it, I mean it was sexual in the sense that she stuck her hand in his pants and was groping around, but it didn't <laughs> feel it just, but wasn't it he kind of like, like moany? I felt like he was a little moany in that moment. Because <laughs> like, he had a just, little bony. It just, didn't, <laughs> it just didn't feel that way to me. Insert Billy Idol's song here, please. Thank I you. see I see what you mean. I, I think really, though, what it was, like, like I said before, I think a little of that has to do with, and, and you know what? Josh Hamilton sort of does say this in the behind the scenes every so often, too. He gets a thrill out of the risk. Okay, can we go to the scene where he was describing how he wanted Norman Reedus to pull his hair harder? It's be- it's not because Josh Hamilton gets off on it. He's embodying the character because the character loves having his hair pulled. He's really embodying the sub-mentality. He's embodying, I love it when I get in trouble because I get excited about all the ways I can try to get out of it. Finally, have something why- in-, in common with... Uh- Guys, 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 <laughs> wait, I got one more thing. Remember what we said? We said this offline, but we didn't get a chance to say it in the episode. We said it in the premiere of 17 and 18, our last episode 203. But we said when he goes after Daryl in the minivan, he's leading the charge with the snub nose revolver. He's not behind his men. So there's something about his risk behavior. It kind of goes back to what Eugene asks Daryl. It's like, what... <laughs> Are brave men born or bred? Maybe Lance was born this way. Like he's born to put himself in risk. And so that kind of somewhat describes him in a sense. I'm not saying he's brave. I'm just saying that he. There are people that get off on risk. I mean, look at people that base jump and parachute and ride wild horses and climb freaking light towers over city. I mean, there are people that get off on on steel tightropes. Yeah. Yeah, high tension wires. If you want risk, you're in a world that's full of risk, man. You don't have to go looking (laughs) for it. And there's various iterations of what that could be. And there are people who like to put themselves in, and this is like the height of sexual tension, like to put themselves in almost unwinnable situations in order to get themselves out of it. They get off on that. They get off on either the problem solving aspect of it or liking, like seeing the mess that they get to clean up later and make look perfect. I mean, that in its in its own way is putting yourself in an awful situation just to see yourself get out of it. We all in some way love that situation. But he, on the other hand, gets a little sexual rise out of it, I think. So it's like you said, Charity, I don't think it's a personal like, oh, it's Pamela Milton that he's after. I don't think it's that at all. I think there's something about the situation that's like, yes, I'm in trouble. Now, how do I get out of it? How do I mount this stallion? (laughs) I don't know how to put this. One of the moves I loved in that scene was when he heard them opening the door, he raised up on his knees. He was sitting kind of down on his his feet. I mean, he was on his knees, but he was kind of resting on his feet. 
I may be on my knees, but I'm still going to get up and face her as much as I can. Reading the trouble that he's in. He's meeting it. He's expecting to get out of it. And I love that when he finds out that she knows everything, he was knocked back and he was probably even more excited that he found he was found out. Oh, a new level to this tension, to this trouble that I must be in. This all kind of fits. He's even more exposed. Like you said, Bridget. Yeah. I bet that fucker made squat cobbler tapes back before the fucking apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Better call horns. Better call Cry horns, B. <laughs> we still haven't made his logo. It's a bee with a stinger up in the air blowing a trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to let that linger in the air for a little while. Oh, it's floating away. There it is. Anyway. I don't like it. Throughout the last couple episodes... What Mike is, what I keep calling him Mike, Mercer, what Mercer is shown, because it's Max, Maxine is Mercer also. So anyway, what, what Mercer finds out or is shown is that not all the people are following the rules. Giving Maxine the forced confession, he's lucky she didn't sign it. That's kind of like, you know, like the devil put his card down on the table. He's like, oh, I'm going in on this. And she says, no, I'm not going to let you be that. I'm not going to let you be like them. Because they, they don't follow the rules. And now you're going to do it too, Mike? Your father would be ashamed of you. And she saves him from that. Just like she was trying to save Eugene from that. So it's kind of interesting to see that stack. How some people just refuse to let others go into the darkness. Now you're going to have to try a lot harder than that, Mr. Mercer. General Mercer. I did like the irony in that. I'd like to talk about Daryl and Eugene's scene for just a second. Because I just thought it was really cool. And... I know we touched on it earlier. He was like squaring up. <laughs> Put him up. <laughs> Which I Put love. Him up. But like, just talk about evolution of characters, man. I mean, yeah, Gimple said it at New York Comic Con. I thought he was being a little facetious with his Pokemon statement. What a nerd. <laughs> what a nerd. <laughs> love him. Um, so Never change. <laughs> never change, you big dork. I really enjoyed that one. That he would ever do that in the first place. Eugene from the beginning would never put up his dukes. Would mean. never yeah. have squared up against Daryl ever. So that was one. That was great. During the scene, I was thinking like, where is this going? They're not going to fight. What's going to happen? So by the way, and it's it's odd that you go from weird tension between Pamela and Lance to this weird scene where you don't. It just keeps going. You're like, what is so happening? Like, right it's like, there's a good symmetry <laughs> between me. what is happening here. Uh, <laughs> It's not sexual, but thank God. Um Maybe. So, <laughs> just in Dave's, keep going. In Dave's head well. canon, it's super sexual. But, well, uh, <laughs> you broke the glass now. <laughs> um, in case of emergency. So, one, the square up was really cool. The evolution that we see in Daryl, to one, not instantly just put him down. Daryl used to fight anybody that would come at him, and he's not like that anymore. He's really grown up as a character. Dave, you talked about... It was very similar to how he interacted with Judith, giving Eugene the space that he needed. So it's very clear that Daryl has grown in like in that way to know that sometimes you just got to like let things marinate for a second before you come in. it. You can't come in hot all the time, says the person who comes Which in, is who comes in hot oh. all of the time. But um, <laughs> Which was him for like uh, 12 years yes. until now yeah so that was really cool to see and i just had talked about how much daryl has grown in the in the last episode and so it's cool to see even though we didn't get a ton of daryl in this episode that we're still seeing that movement forward i enjoyed that there was more about eugene last episode we saw like the interaction that happened at the end of the episode with sebastian's death and everything but we didn't spend a ton of time with him we really haven't 
in the last right, couple episodes. Right. So I, I've heard Joe talk, Joe Rogan talk about this, the, how like being a father has changed the way he's even seen the world. And I wonder, cause one could easily say, Oh, his, his evolution's too quick, but you forget that there's been time jumps. There's mm. been moments where he's had time to himself to reflect on what would Rick do? Where is my brother? Et cetera, et cetera. But then thinking about the fact that for a year, he's taking care of Rick's kids. He's been effectively their father, let's say foster father. Let's just call it that adoptive father, whatever <laughs> they adopted him. That's that, that checks out actually. <laughs> But that in being a father, all of a sudden, all the things that you tried to absorb before and tried to take in before and all the behaviors you tried to emulate just kind of naturally fall into place because you have this life in your hands, this small child in your hands that you have to take care of. And I think that's a legit thing. And I can easily see that in being a father, you sort of see and interact with the world in a different way. Eugene was once a child, too. But also Eugene was once someone who felt he had to lie in order to get what he wanted, much like a child. And he is thinking to himself, he he's not that anymore. I'm going to let's see how this plays out. Because he's a smart dude. He's going to know right away that you can feel two things at once. Because it's him too. I mean, Eugene is in his own way only doing what Daryl has felt throughout this entire series most of the time. Like, I want to raise hell, but I know that if I do, I might get somebody hurt. Yeah. Who are they if not each other in their own unique way? I hadn't really thought of it that way, but yeah, you're, you're you right. Helped, you helped me with you're that. You're right. I <laughs> I think that seeing Eugene head into the station at the end of the episode and seeing him essentially say, I'm going to die for this woman that I love. This is not the Eugene that we've ever known prior to this. And it's just so cool to see him grow up and become, I'm going to say man, but it's not, I'm, this isn't like a sexual thing. Like, I don't mean like gender wise, like identity wise or anything. I'm just saying like, he finally got to being like an adult, right? He finally like got to be like to be a man and to like step into into the role that he he needed to. But the thing about it is that he loved Rosita and yet quote unquote and yet right. he turned and went with Negan. So like this is one real love for Eugene. Like real, genuine, authentic love. One, it's not unrequited. So sure there's something different about that. But two as much as he claims that he loved Rosita, did he really? If he was willing to turn against her and the people that she was with. And here we see him turn himself in to save Max. Aren't you like proud in these moments? These characters are like finally like with the people that you knew that they they could be. This is dumb because yeah, I mean, it's TV. But it's like, yeah, so way to go, guy. Way to go. Way to be like a good guy. You're talking about a guy who never thought he could be that kind of person. Until well, somebody Darryl showed too, him that right? it could be. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what I mean. I think the two of them have really had the, the most satisfying character arcs. In, in and it's not show. out of nowhere. Daryl and Eugene. Because who has changed more than Eugene? Really? Nobody. <clears throat> Carol. <clears throat> Carol. Oh, Carol, too. And But those are all <laughs> such slow burns, right? Like we, but Carol Dave's, changed Dave's right. We didn't get it automatically. Rachel. No, that's Carol why it's, a, changed, it's authentic. Carol changed fairly quickly. It took Eugene... Yeah. A long time. Like Carol's yeah. like, all right, I got to be this bitch. But it took Eugene a long time to be that bitch. And Daryl, too. Daryl, same way. I mean, we always thought Daryl was a badass, but... I feel like Daryl, he changed early because by season five, six, he was totally different than season one Daryl. Oh, yeah, but it's the fact that it kept going. Because there were still things that needed to be, obviously, because he was so hot-headed, he hit Negan. 
and then Glenda. And that's the specific. I know I didn't want to reference that specific moment, but that's kind of what I'm referring to. Oh, Eugene, you want to pull a me? Okay, here's the door, bud. You know what happened that day. So you're smarter than that. You know the answer. Oh, oh, it's like we it's like what we were saying about Judith in the other episode. Judith, I, I know you're right, but you're also wrong. You're right in that in an ideal world, you stay and fix this. We may not be in an ideal situation, so you have to be ready to fight. It's the same interaction. It's like, yes, Eugene, every fiber fiber in your being is telling you that this is the right thing to do. But is it going to do what you think it's going to do? That's what he's saying to Eugene in the moment. No, you're being smart. You would just get killed. There's no assurances here. But with the knowledge that Maxine would face what he would have to face otherwise, that's what motivates him to leave. If somebody here has to die, don't let it be Maxine. Let it be me. And that is different. Who would have thought that Eugene would be that self-sacrificial? But what's great about it is that it's not coming out of nowhere. There is this gradual climb that you get to see over time. And I'm going to say this, but it's not like Carol at all. Carol kind of flips over to the version she didn't know that she could be, but she does it right away. And she just increasingly gets better at it rapidly as we go. These guys, they they needed time to reach this weird level of being this person that they never thought they could be. Carol kind of got to it really quickly. It's the result of having gotten it there too quickly that she has to deal with now. And I think she's I like seeing her normalize. I like her. I like seeing her go all the way this way and then kind of come down to a place where she can be a mother, potentially a mother and a survivor and somebody who takes care of everybody rather than sacrifices for the greater good, that sort of situation. But I I know I'm waxing on that, but it is different though. It's nice. It's kind of satisfying to see something that isn't immediate and like, Oh, magic. I'm automatically a brave person. You're like, no, he had to build to this Mm. chef's kiss. I mean, to be fair, I think uh, I'm I mean, and this is just argumentative on my side, but um, I think, what, you won't fight. Yeah, I want to fight. I'm going to square <laughs> up against you, Dave. Um, so I would say even though, yes, we can say like that happened quickly to Carol. You have to remember the first season it's two years, right? The first season scared. Second season scared about her daughter. It really took until the prison for her to find herself. So like the second year. And to finally really (laughs) trust herself. Yeah, it happened quickly in comparison to everybody else. But she also was like directly dealing with like many different traumas, like one right after the other. And yes, everybody was going through that. But I think her more so because her husband died. And yes, she had tried to leave him. But you know how that is for victims of abuse. That had to happen. So she had to deal with that. And then immediately, like it's so quickly after that, that Sophia goes missing. Oh, yeah. 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 So and so in a way, she's like, there is a sort of arrested development with her. Like she immediately channels her anger into the world in a sense. Yeah. Because she's ad- it helps her adapt to the world. And you right? remember the whole second season, she's like spending time doing laundry and cooking food and picking peaches. She's like, I need to feel useful and I can't feel useful in any other way. Well, eventually she just hit a point where she was like, well, then I don't want to feel useful this way. I want to be useful. Kind of like Andrea was. She was like, I, I was don't want right. to do this. Just I don't like want to do Andrea, this. Except Andrea was a fucking bitch about it. <laughs> that's that's the difference, right? <laughs> um, is that is that Carol is more of a slow burn, more of a softer a softer change In into that way. But yes. but that yes. is what ultimately she ended up becoming. But we don't see we don't see height of Carol 
until what is that like season four or five three or four yeah where we like really see carol come in when she so burns it, it karen took, and david alive it's exactly it's what i was like, gonna say that was like it took the swing to the yeah, other side it took a long right? time right it took and a then long she time. had to kind of come back a little bit I agree. I love the up and down of her because I love that she over she like overcorrects sometimes like I won't be a victim anymore. So now I'm going to do this. And then it's like, well, that's not going to work. So now I got to like I have to avenge Henry. So fuck everybody. So now I've got to now I've got to back up, which I didn't mention it in the last episode. I I really should have. But that moment that Daryl looks at her and goes, what did you do? Yeah, was like yeah. just a prime example of like Carol that, overcorrecting in situations and everybody way, having to pay the consequences for it, which is, you know yeah. what? We, and we should have mentioned it at the time. And I'm glad you brought it up because it is emblematic of the last few seasons where like, yes, they kind of had a, a reconciliation. He and Daryl, he and Carol, but there's still like that. I like that. There's a little bit of that echo of like, oh, what did you do now? Did you blow up a tunnel and almost kill Connie? That sort of it's not completely gone away. There is an element of like, Carol, what did you do this time? Well, they're still fractured, yeah, right? They're still yeah, fractured. They're, I mean, they're still fissures, fissures. I, I love their friendship. And I was from the beginning have loved their friendship. I always thought it was just, just a really special relationship. And I, I love from the moment the Cherokee Rose thing happened till now. And they are my two favorite characters. And I love them so intensely. So no ill will against Carol by any means. But I just, I really did love, that moment i just love seeing that it's still there it it, daryl doesn't just forget because we're trying to move the storyline along right this isn't magic things don't automatically heal no but that makes the the this relationship authentic too like that it's not as cut and dry and it's not as simple things happened that i that brings a richness to their friendship that is gonna be there we all have friends that kind of are an asshole or they're late every now and again to this thing like you still love them but like, yeah, that's Dave. the thing that they do. <laughs> hey, I've been waiting for you guys. Don't you dare. The last several times I've been here like 15 minutes early setting up because I, I miss you guys and I want to, I can't wait to see you. To be fair, but it's me. You guys, I it's, guess, don't love me. me I'm, so I'm you don't late. show up on time. I'm, I'm kidding. Late. It's me. <laughs> I love you guys. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. You guys got shit to do. I get it. Of course. It's time for me to be there for you early. (laughs) Sorry. I'm I'm seriously kidding. I'm going to go because I came on here straight from work and I haven't eaten dinner or taken a shower. And I still have to go to bed in just a little while because I have to get up early in the morning. I am sorry. I love you guys. And I will talk to you all later. Good night. Thank you, Major General Sharon. Bye, guys. I will see you all tomorrow. I love you Thank you, you for guys. joining I'll us. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Mwah. Let's drop a, just a random bomb then. Let's throw Molotovs in this conversation. Uh, what did you think about Aaron kind of saying, hey, what was that thing you said about Kingdom 2.0? You thought King Ezekiel, but what about King Jerry and Queen Nabila? I just thought it was sweet. It was I just thought sweet. it was sweet. It, and it was nice. It did have a good Queen ring Nabila to it. Queen Nabila has a nice ring to it. It's like I always Nefertiti. loved it's like Nabila. I always loved Jerry's loyalty, right? It was like such an endearing character. I mean, as if Cooper Andrews isn't like the most endearing person anyway. He's just like sweet and he's got like a sweet face and you just like want him just hug him. <laughs> hug it specifically his face. Yeah, just he his looks face. Like he gives um, good hugs. Right? Like a bear hug. <laughs> and 
it was just a really endearing like characteristic about him that that he was so loyal always and he referred to ezekiel still as the king after everything even 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 when ezekiel's like please stop he's like (laughs) no i won't i like it to have him realize he is capable and that he could do it on his own that he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> Sorry. Need, he doesn't need i mean not that he doesn't need ezekiel he loves ezekiel they're friends but like he's kind of etching out this his own place in the world and so like why can't he be the leader why why not think bigger why not think better good tie-in it, but it could be better right it could be king jerry it could be it could be and i just think that was really nice and i love that aaron believes in him yeah oh yeah after after us discussing how this kind of shows that aaron is a leader well jerry also could be i laughed earlier i let i stifled the laughter because i felt like remember when he was talking about the alfredo and canelli beans Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i felt like okay fuck me if i'm wrong but like i felt like he was saying it purposefully louder to the herd he's like yeah i want to do fettuccine canelli because fuck you walkers i want my pasta did you get that i, imp- like, I like i didn't think about I'm it like, but i'm like why are you being so loud i'm like bitch? why are you're all of leaves? them being so loud like that was what i was thinking the whole time i'm like why are all of them being <laughs> you no, no, gotta no, it's put it down him. gently <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly by the way do you know what that's from world beyond okay good that's felix baby <laughs> Season one, episode two, Felix, uh, season baby. two, episode two. It's very much that two. What is giving Felix vibes for sure? But I was like, <laughs> I was like, why, 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 why are you yelling? Because I'm like really worried right now. And then two, it's like maybe that Walker did just hear them. Maybe he's like Alfredo. What the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> Does it have brains in it? I like <laughs> no, Dad he's like joke. mad. He's like that sounds horrible. It's a crime against culinary arts. Like I'm gonna come. Murder you make, with a rock. I'm not going to make Alfredo Canelli Because notice, he does with, keep with coming for Jerry. Is it about the Alfredo? Is he mad? Maybe yeah, he just it might be. wanted to be invited to dinner. And he's like, fuck you guys. You're being rude. <laughs> yeah. What are you trying to in my throw in my face? Right. My dead, shrivelly face? You promised me. I'm here, here for you. He just showed up. Sick. He showed up and he like. He brought the rock. He's like, I'll help grind up some beans. Like, and then they started attacking him. Like, I kind of feel bad for this walker now. Guys, like, I just, just wanted to yeah. help you make pasta. He's like, I'm, I'm, here for the, I'm here for the bean party. What's up, guys? Maybe he was just like, he grabs the stick because he just wants, okay. he just wants to get a hug. That's what he was like. I yeah. just want a hug. Yeah. I heard it's you give good hugs. Gives, goes hugs. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No, words? I think it was more of the Cooper thing. <laughs> Jerry's gives good hugs. Yeah, we all (laughs) we all speak English good sometimes. Words are difficult (laughs) sometimes. Can I throw something random out? Yes, that's what we're here for. Socorro Espinoza. I love hearing Coco's full name. Oh yeah, that was so cool. That was cute. Yeah, it jarred me a little bit because I was like, "That's not her name. Her name is Coco. You're wrong." Yeah, I'm like, who's Socorro? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Yeah. It's not that. It's that I, in my head, have been saying her full name wrong this whole time. Oh. I thought it was like Sirocco or something like that. And then hearing him say, I'm like, wait, is that right? And then I Google the <laughs> thing and I'm like, oh, you're right. So uh, sorry, Mike. Where have you where have we heard her, Mike forever now? Where have we heard her full name before this episode? When uh, not this episode, but like in season 10, I want to say oh, like when Rosita you see her the first says time. It. Rosita does yeah. say her full name at some point. You're right. I it was do like I had forgotten yeah. it, though. 
Like she was, was like, just yeah, Coco forever. Great. Now I've yeah. forgotten. <laughs> I forget about. And then that. forever Coco after that. Yeah. Well, so it was mind. cool. It was cool to hear her full name again. I guess because it reminded me of it. I turned into full neckbeard keyboard warrior. I was like, that is wrong. Continuity show. error. Then, yeah. I really didn't, but like I'm like I I literally I know I'm exaggerating, but like I literally went. I'm like, well, okay, I assume they're right, so I'm not gonna fight it. <laughs> I'm, wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong. But in my head, I'm definitely wrong. So let's fix that. So what is it? Socorro? Socorro. Socorro. Okay. Okay. I have to educate my brain just like the walker educated himself to turn knobs and pick up rocks and fight Jerry. Her name. (laughs) Everybody. Her name means it's a Spanish Portuguese word taken from the title of the Virgin Mary, meaning Mary of perpetual succor. So like. Oh, like soccer? Like offering assistance. No, like offering assistance in times of hardship oh so fitting right i love that oh that's so sweet oh did 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 gabe and rosita pick the name together no probably they weren't together i mean when coca was born i don't think they were together before yeah but they were still together after after she was oh you know what we don't really even know because it was in this that time period between the winter it's the time it's the time jump thing yeah. So I guess that's uh, left to your imagination. Some things should be, right? How did those two end up together? Well, we don't. We know. don't know. But as I often say, it's because one of them is a hothead and the other one is calm and relaxed. And if you take a look at my own relationship, here's your hothead. That one's relaxed <laughs> and it works. Well, it's, so it's weird how we're seeing that change hands, though, in a weird way. Yeah. Like how Rosita is the one learning to let Eugene go. Yeah. And she does still say what she needs to say just to make sure that he's this is like how our family fights our family. We will we'll push back to make sure that you made the right decision. But like, we'll be like, you sure. Yeah, but you get this way. But but this and but that but that. All right. <laughs> I guess you made up your mind. And I've made sure that every avenue is covered where I basically almost put you down in all these different ways to make sure that you've made the right decision. That's how our family fights. <laughs> yeah, she was very uh, aggressive. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah but, but it was good. It, I kind of respected it. it. He needed to hear yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I even wrote in my notes in a zombie apocalypse context, is she wrong? No, not at all. But it could be better. <laughs> did you just die, what? Frankie? Are you okay? Sorry, Frankie. Did I? No, she just did like the the loudest sneeze I've ever heard in my life. Like it was like she jumped up when she sneezed. I I almost blamed myself for like hurting your like scaring your dog. Easy, will you? You're being a real weirdo. I like these recurring themes that I we make up along (laughs) (laughs) nowhere. Similar to Rosita saying to Eugene, "But you'll die," and that's stupid. And I'm gonna say this because it's in the same vein. In the zombie apocalypse, is what Pamela do, is doing to round up every newcomer that has come in that is definitely or most likely allied with Eugene. Is she wrong in a zombie apocalypse context for trying to put them in like a holding area, considering that the rest of these people in the Commonwealth are not as skilled and adept and they've not been out there? Like, see, this is what I think it's right? a dumb mistake, but I think it's like the sin of hubris. I am yeah. untouchable. I am fine. I have control over this situation. Do you have control over this situation? Because it really seems like it got away from you. So no, you don't. And now the one thing you didn't want to happen happened anyway. 
And had you just given Sebastian to the people, you'd be fine. However, that doesn't make sense, logically. No, it's but I'm just saying, like, nature, it still ended right? up that way. Well, this is what happens when you don't build your society out of a tangible rule of law where everybody is held accountable for their actions, just not just the underclass. The upper class, or at least the government class, needs to be held, held accountable, too. Well, I agree. It's, it happens in our own world. It does, but it doesn't. As soon as it becomes inconvenient, yeah, they will get tried. They're not the absolute authority. At least there's some form of checks and balances, should we decide to avail ourselves of them. Yeah, But, but here, you know. there's an absolute authority. There's a quote-unquote benevolent dictator, not in name. She's it. You're right. There's no elections. There's nepotism. There's line of succession. What makes this different than a monarchy? Nothing. Nothing. It is the way it is because I say it is. Yeah. Because, yeah, exactly. She was expecting that Sebastian would lead. But if if the people voted, it would not have been him. Probably would have been Mercer, honestly. Right. Because he's obviously a favorite among the people. In case you missed it in the last episode, there was a sign that says, elect President Mercer. We want President Mercer. I I would have to pull up the notes because I wrote down all the signs, what they said. Mercer for president or something like that. (laughs) But I I, I know it's cool, huh? I want to take that a little bit further because I have to sort of backpedal a little bit from something that I had said in the last episode because I was kind of shocked at Maxine. I've always preached that incrementalism is the best way for change to stick. But after watching this episode, it kind of allowed me to kind of take a step back and say how appreciative I am that Max did what she did in trying to expose Sebastian. Because what I have to remember that this isn't a civil society, not completely. It is hypothetically a a society that has rules and laws but if not everybody is bound by them then what's the point so max is right i don't like that it got so many people hurt on a me on the other side of the glass watching this show yeah i don't like it but how is it going to get better otherwise gotta get worse before what is the path yeah yeah you gotta you gotta lance the infection before before you and that hurts before uh, you can uh, apply the ointment. You can't just slap on something and hope it gets better. Slather on some cream, because we love doing that on this show. What? Mm -hmm. I hesitate. (laughs) That's me saying, like, I kind of backpedal on being too harsh with Max and saying, oh, she's she's not accepting the fruit of the spirit. I'm, I'm admitting a little bit of like, okay, look, she doesn't have those traits, but she needs to be a certain way in order to get things done. And it's too much. These people are skating and not following their own rules. And really, is this what we is this the model of America, uh, an aristocracy? That's weird. It looks like America, but really isn't at all. Me apologizing, explaining myself. <laughs> I felt bad. I felt bad after watching this episode. How bad was it? Oh, it's this bad. Because we don't really know everything all at once, too. We made so many assumptions about how this government is. But like now you really get to see that, oh, they're playing by their own rules. They're making it up as they go. Mm-hmm. Can we talk? What what happened at the end? Who were those people? Black bagging uh, Carol at the end? Rosita, you mean? Rosita. Oh, Rosita. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I s- said Carol because they were doing that in the sneak to the next episode. <gasps> but yes, Rosita. Yeah, my bad. Who, my bad. who was that? Is that Pamela's people or is she rounding everybody up? Is that... What we're supposed to guess here? Or? Well, I mean, they already rounded them up once and they did it officially. So if they, if she yeah. wanted to round them up again, why would it not be through official channels again? They would, then I thought I it mean, was almost like, is that, that Hornsby? And yeah, it could be Hornsby. Maybe we're going to see Shira again outside well, the window. Well, because we, so we can ascertain from 
I think mm. maybe the first episode of this chunk of season 11 that when Negan came in to the Commonwealth and mentioned Daryl, Lance got that name from someone who works under Mercer. Lance said, they're not your men, they're my men. Mm-hmm. Right. We can right. we can guess that there are people that still work for Lance that are obviously just sure. out there doing whatever. We don't know who they are. Yeah. So I was right. wondering then if he if if they're guards and they work for Mercer, they could have access to Lance. Then I was curious if that was like Lance's people, if he had said like, screw this, round them all up. I want them taken away. Yeah, I like that, but I kind of like I kind of like what you said earlier, though, how this could all be not Lance per se, but like Shira going rogue. Well, I mean, definitely the, the plumbers maybe. union and maybe trying to take some of those people that Lance originally believed in. Like, oh, these are the guys that can help me come into power. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's something else. Maybe Lance is more altruistic than we know. Well, then, I, I OK, know. I do have a question, because did Lance mm-hmm. know that they were going to kill those people to create walkers in the walls? Yes, I'm, he ordered them from the cell. His order, yeah. He said he okay because my thought was, what if he didn't? But to save face in front of Pamela, he's gonna pretend like he sent that order. You know, to I take that he, even further, yeah, maybe. But I think he I was did. gonna say when Sharon D said this sexual thing that is Lance is like, oh, Pamela in his face. <laughs> so gross. Ugh. Well, to follow because you they play it in such a way where like, what if this whole sexual tension thing is just a way to confuse Pamela into thinking that yes, he is attracted to her or attracted to being in trouble or something only to kind of climb over that and say, oh, bitch, I wasn't attracted. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you know what I mean? Like he's more diabolical than we're giving him credit for. Right, he's playing it up so that he, she will drop her defenses and make a mistake. So to that point, It's like I still can't get a firm read on him after all of these episodes. I, I still don't know. Great. Well, I mean, it that's good writing. Awesome. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. it's good writing. Who's you a, never know what's going to happen next. Whose apartment is Rosita in? Her own? I'm assuming I yes. I it was her yes. own, yeah. Okay, she says, is everyone ready? Who's she talking to? Who else is supposed to be in there? I was wondering if everyone is there. Were they all meeting? Because Daryl said, I'll see you later at your place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if they're... And so if, she thought it was Daryl. So she thought, okay, so she heard somebody walk in and was like... Oh, are we ready? Or are we supposed to assume that people were already in the apartment? In which case, oh. why didn't she hear these people being abduct- abducted? Words. Words. Abducting her? Or Abduct- is that what you wanted to say? Well, if there were already people in the apartment, why didn't she hear a commotion behind her when they took whoever else was in the apartment with her? Or did she hear the door open and assume it was her friends? And she's like, oh, is everybody ready? And then she comes out and kablammy. So many different things. Remember that when Calhoun was trying to get to Daryl's apartment or Carol's apartment, Carol's apartment. Yeah. He had a key. Yeah. So, of course, she assumes that it's Daryl because he has a key to her apartment, ah. let's say. Nobody was in the apartment except for so her. So it must right. be Lance's That's people I, is what like, we're saying. I didn't well, hear anyone walk in. It could in. still be Pamela's people because open. wouldn't they have keys to I, everything? I heard a door. You did. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So it, could, so it still could like, be either. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Well, that gets us nowhere. Thanks. Big thanks. I mean, (laughs) it seems like, okay, she thought it was somebody and it was somebody else. And then they fought and stuff happened and she got black bagged. The question really is, who are who are those men? Who do those men belong to? That's a really good, interesting. You do get hints that Pamela has basically rounded up and expelled all the communities from the Commonwealth. 
it sounds like Which in the sneak. Like fine, isn't that what they want anyway? So like, right. Bye. But there were all these other cells in the bowels of the Commonwealth too, where probably where Lance is. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And there are some scenes where Lance is with some of our gang too. So they were probably bailed out of the same place, or mm. they got help from Mike. I don't know, but I don't like sneaking into the no. Let's not do this from not let's from not the episode this. anyway. But like, it is interesting. Fine. But who knows? We'll there's always, always a mystery, so. right? Because they always <laughs> kind of paint it like it's this way. But it's to give them a lot of credit for all the shit that we give them at the beginning of this episode, which I don't even know made the episode. How they always kind of give shit away in the promos. Whenever it comes to the sneak peeks at the end of the episode, they always paint it like it's going in one direction. But it really is something else. So to give them credit, they yeah. always try to misdirect us. Yeah. So I like that. That's true. I like that. Like how Carol says they took the kids. Oh, stop it. This is why we don't talk about teasers. Teasers. I don't want to I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear about the final episodes either. I just don't want to hear any of it. Exactly. None of it. Exactly. None of it. I just want to say again how excited I am that we get to see a little bit more Teo Rap Olsen. That he must have been so excited to be a walker. <laughs> yeah, right? That's like the dream. That's awesome. I, I mean, like, did he like angle that. for this? But guys, what if? What if <laughs> Pamela decided to keep Walker Sebastian around? Hey, FX department. <laughs> <laughs> can, we, you have, can we put on Austin Powers too? Look at it. No, that's like Austin Powers 2 and 3 to put all that makeup on. So relax. You're going to be in there for a while. I hate Austin Powers. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) with the thought that we'll see more of Teo Rappelson as a walker, if you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawking dead. Leave us five stars and an eggplant in Lance's pants. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. You hate our faces for some reason. Or you think we missed something. Let us know after every episode. And if you like where we're headed as a podcast and you want to be a part of the action, well, get your start by creating a free account on ko-fi.com or patreon.com and following us at ko-fi.com slash squawking dead or patreon.com slash squawking dead. You don't have to buy us a coffee at Kofi or join a membership tier on either ko-fi.com slash squawking dead or patreon.com slash squawking dead. Just create a free account and follow us so that you know when we set up our recording sessions, which are absolutely free to join. But should you choose, when you do buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash squawking dead, you'll get 30 days of supported back content with your generous support. And should you decide to join a membership tier, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month on either platform. Well, really the one. The other one's a little bit more expensive because that's how it works, folks. That's capitalism. But when you do, you'll be privy to some really good perks, among which are the ability to get the unedited episode recordings as well as Discord access with all tiers. Higher tiers get some extra little perks, which are probably showing up on screen right now. The shoutouts at the end of the episodes, 50% off in the merch store, and if you join the Survivors tier, you get to be on camera and mic and join us in these episode breakdowns. There's a couple spots left on ko-fi.com slash squawking dead, so show us what you're made of. And with that, everybody, I've been your host, David Cameo, and I was joined by Cosmo Mom 09, Rachel Burt, Sharon D, aka Blazy Gardner, and Bridget, ko-fi.com slash punky brewster. That's P-U-N-K-Y-B-R-U-Y-S-E-T-E-R. Take care, everybody. I love this episode. I hope you did too. And if you didn't, that's fine too, because that's how we are as a podcast. You can be wrong. <laughs> but we'll see you in the next one, 1120. I wish it would go a lot slower, but that's not how life works, everybody. Hey, but that's the thing, everybody. You have control 
of when you say yes. Life is too short, so make it count. I love you. I'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. It can be better now. Yeah. I'll oh, take, I just made myself tear up. <laughs> I'll take better now, please. I'll take better now, please. Can it has better, please? <laughs>Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode, the 19th episode of the 11th and final season of The Walking Dead titled Variant. We hope you enjoyed our little emotional breakthroughs, the humorous bits in between, and like we said in the episode, please consider rating us at the end of every episode, as well as following us on either patreon.com or ko-fi.com, ko-fi.com, so that you can join in on these next recordings in the real-time chat. It's free, as always. You just have to follow us there so that you're aware of when we record without further ado we'd like to thank our sponsors aka you our survivors and whispers tier members and they are as follows eliza at eliza jones 71 on instagram jasmine jasmine.iac on instagram fanart lindy ko-fi.com slash fanart lindy linda jennings admin of the facebook group walking dead is freaking amazing and at real ryan gm on twitter and moving along to our whispers tier members they are at judith.morton on instagram ko-fi.com slash aiden atkin at tyler Philcox on both instagram and twitter at frostedangel67 on twitter at sandy.d.morrison on facebook at j13voorhees on instagram and twitter and at mrtnyvet on twitter thanks so much for being here we can't wait to break down the next episode titled what's been lost the 20th episode of the 11th final season we are speeding along towards the end and in case you didn't know we're going to be at the camp where we have our own artist table you can say hi to us as well as purchase some pretty sweet merch and in case you also hadn't heard we're going to also be at anthony Khan's. that's my viewing party the viewing party to end all viewing parties covering the series finale of the walk dead where we're all going to be watching together crying together laughing together and hopefully having a great time together and if you are going to be there either at the camp or that's my movie party let us know we we'll, can't wait to see you and until next time